So as we look at Psalm 104 this morning, let's follow along and let's look at it fresh as, as this is our God. This is who he is. This is the one that, again, we will be spending eternity with. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Who covers thyself with light as with a garment. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters and maketh the clouds his chariot. Who walketh upon the wings of the wind. You know, this is the one. In Psalm 139, you get back into verse 2, he says, you know, as with light is with the garment. One of the wonderful things about, about life with God is that no matter what we're going through, the bleakest forms of, of the times in life, when we think that everything's bleak and everything's black, we are, it's actually those times that we're called to look up and look to Him, take our refuge in Him. Because like I said in Psalm 139, the darkness and the light, they're light to Him. And so those darkest times, when we look at all the Psalms, Psalm 61, 57, all these Psalms that are really full of, of, of going under the covert of his wings, of seeking refuge for him, in the darkest times of our life, we look to the Lord Jesus Christ and we are in the light of his presence. That is, ast- that is astronomical to me. To talk this way, to understand the Lord this way, is to be born again. Because the out, somebody who does not know God, this is not a reality. To you and I, this is reality. One of the great things that we're going to see next week as we end the book of 1 John is, is 1 John 5.13 says, and we write these things that you may know that you have eternal life. It's a knowing. We can know God more than we know our next breath. Because it's not a blind leap of faith. It is being born again. Now we have a relationship with our Creator, a personal relationship that we could not have being religious, you know. Um, it's a relationship. Wow. The Bible, again, if we take this starting point, we will not go askew in our understanding that this is God's revelation to man, not man's idea about God, not a book written by man about God. It is God's revelation to man. And here we need to pay attention. He is expounding to us for our joy and our privilege. He is having the psalmist write about his majesty. Look at verse 4. Who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. The, you know, we all know that the author of the book of Hebrews, or the writer of the book of Hebrews, I should say, uses this. His angels do his bidding. We see in Psalm 103, where they do the bidding of the Lord. They obey his voice explicitly. They are not servants of men. They are servants of the living God for the benefit of men. That's how much God loves you. You know, it's been said many times that angels are for many things, but also for the physical safety of, of, of God's children. We live in, 
We live in a world that's dominated by satanic principles. It's dominated by Satan himself, the prince of the power of the air. We are, this is not our home. We are on a battlefield that at the end of our life, the Lord himself will, and I believe very explicitly, will take us off this battlefield and uh, welcome us into his presence. And I believe the angels are a big part of that. They do his bidding. Um, who makes, again, verse 4, make of his angels spirits, his ministers of flame and fire, who laid the foundations of the earth. God laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. Now it covers this with the deep as with the garment. The water stood above the mountains. You know, uh, think about the flood. People think, well, wait a minute, you know, the flood, well, we've got we to gotta look at this logically here. That was a localized flood. Well, no, it wasn't. If you go back to Genesis and you read the highest mountains were covered 15 cubits above the highest mountain. It was a local flood. God destroyed every living thing that had breath, save eight people. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and so forth. And in this psalm, this is the one that has redeemed us. You know, we read in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, that's the Lord Jesus Christ that made everything. Without him, John 1, nothing was made that was made. And, and this is the one that not only laid the foundations of the earth, but verse 6, it covered it with the garments, with, or with the deep is with the garment. The water stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke, at his word, at the voice of thy thunder, they haste away. Verse 8, they go up by the mountains, they go down by the valleys, into the place which thou hast founded for them. God set everything perfectly. After he destroyed the earth, he not only created the bow, the rainbow, that promised that he would never do this, destroying it again, by his voice, just as in Genesis 1-1, uh, in the beginning, God created. He spoke and the universe led into existence. He judged the world and by his voice, that same voice, the water started to abate. They went exactly to where he, he, uh, he told them. He commanded the waters and they obeyed. Look at verse 9. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over, that they may turn not again to cover the earth. You know, many places in the Word of God, the seas only go so far at His command. This is our God. This is our God that commands the seas and the waves and they obey Him. Remember? Who is this, they said. God entered time and... He is so wonderful that men marvel at him. I, I can't imagine what it would have been like on the boat, seeing him walking on the water. Uh, other times, asleep in the bow of the boat, waking him up. Master, we're perishing. Don't you understand? We're perishing. He gets up and rebukes the wind and the waves. He's perfectly calm. What response? What manner of man is this? It logically, they have never seen anything like this. God is so far beyond our comprehension that when He uh, reveals Himself to us, it is pure joy. And I don't have words for it. 
they are not going to pass over the boundary that God had set for them. Look at verse 10. He sends the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field, and wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heavens have their habitation, which sing among the branches. Does God care for his creation? Absolutely. Let me just pause here by saying his creation, as far as the animal world and whatever, is, is wonderful, it's majestic, but it is not his crown and glory. What is his crown and glory? You and I. Remember, the heavens and earth are going to flee away at his presence. We are going to be with him forever. And remember, I I just wanted to spend this morning, not so much in a a, a, a theological, if you will, understanding of the scriptures, but just to go through them and and realize that this is our God. You You think of him this way? When you read the word, you know, I was just uh, going through some old papers I have in my files the other day. And uh, I'm intrigued to understand the concept that if we want to hear from God, we have the privilege of hearing from him in his word. Not from some guru, not from some philosophy, not from some idea, not from somebody's experience. We have the privilege to get into the Word of God and ask the Lord to reveal Himself, to speak to us, and He does through His Word. He says in verse 11, to give drink again to every beast of the field. Look at verse 13. He watereth the hills from His chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. 14. He caused cause of the grass to grow for the cattle and the herb for the service of man that he may bring forth food out of the earth and wine that maketh glad the heart of man and oil that to make his face to shine and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he had planted, where the birds make their nests as for the stork and the fir trees are her house. Verse 18, the high hills are refuge for the wild goats and the rocks for the conies, or the rock badges, I believe the New King James says. He appointed the moon for season, the sun knoweth it's going down. You know, I can't get very far. God says, for God so loved the world, Jesus said, that God gave his only begotten son. God not only gives and gives, that's just nature to give, but we understand now that God gave his son as a sacrifice, the only sacrifice that pleased him. So by believing in that sacrifice and appropriating that for us, in other words, Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross for Jeff Graham. He bowed his head and he said, it is finished. And he was buried. And three days later, he rose from the dead. Now when he came out of the grave, again, he tells his disciples, You go and tell my brethren, I'm going to my God and your God. I'm going to my Father, now he's your Father. So now I I have a personal relationship and I know my God, this is him. His nature is to give. He gives, Paul says to Timothy, he gives all things richly for us to enjoy. And the world doesn't understand this. 
You know, Greg was saying before when when he was before he started uh, his worship. You know, we need to go out and open open our mouth because there are many people out there. They might not even know what they need, but they know they need something. They know something's not right. They're depressed. They're down. They're they're forsaken. They're uh, they know that that something is not right. What I found out is exactly what he said. Most people will not come up to me, even though they know that I'm, uh, you know, uh, a Christian. Most people will not come up and open up a dialogue. But if I come in and open up a dialogue, like that 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 guy I told you about, that kid at the uh, gas station last week, they open up like a flower. You you present the gospel intelligently. And you will get two reactions. Either one, very expectant, tell me more, or hey, you know what? Sometimes that shunning can be violent. Sometimes it can be just leave me alone. I've heard before, or what have you. But nonetheless, there are so many people out there, they have no idea that there's a God who created everything, plus themselves, that wants to give forgiveness of sins, everlasting life, if we would just receive it, then they would come to know that this wonderful God is a reality. The birds of the air even take their refuge from the provision that God has given them. Verse 18 says, Even the high hills are a refuge for the wild goats, again in the rocks for the conies of the rock badgers. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth it's going down. Verse 20, Thou makest darkness, and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat or their food from God. Look at verse 22, The sun riseth, they gather themselves together and lay down in their dens. Who do you think programs all this? You have talked about before. There's a certain type of butterfly, I'm not too sure whether it's monarch or whatever, that flies 3,000 miles a year. 3,000 for a butterfly, you know? To the exact spot, and they come back. Who do you think gives them the knowledge to do that? It's amazing. You know, the whales we see up here every year, you know? The California gray whales that go up, up north to feed, down south to calf and all that. Who do you think gives the intelligence to do that? That's our God. Even mariners use the moon for you know, the appointing of, of being out in the ocean and, and uh Wow. And this God can be your God. You can know him. I remember talking to a gentleman years ago, and we were talking about different philosophies that people have. In fact, we were talking about holy men or gurus that came from the East, all kinds of philosophies and, and all kinds of things. I said, you know, one thing that all these religions cannot offer, they can't, they have, they're powerless to do so, and they don't know, is have any personal knowledge and a personal relationship and knowing this God who created everything. 
I remember we were at one time at a uh, an abortion rally back in the early 80s in, in Carson City, Nevada. Pastor might at that time used Psalm 139 as his uh, argument, uh, obviously, against abortion. Does God really see us being formed in our mother's womb? Does he really know our days that we have before yet one of them has ever came to be? You know, one thing I love about the Bible, you can read that and go, well, that's, you know, that's what, you know, the Bible says. But, but then you can, see, you can look back at people like Jeremiah. God says, you know, the same thing, but he used it personally. He said, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you and I called you. God had a purpose for Jeremiah before Jeremiah was ever on this earth. He knew Jeremiah before Jeremiah was ever born, and so forth. We can go all through the Word of God with those type of examples. God just doesn't send forth an astounding statement and not prove it. If Jesus would have came on the scene and said, Look, folks, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. See ya. Would that add the validity to the word of God, probably not like it does where he spent three years doing not only things that only God can do, but pouring forth the word of God because he is the living word of God. And no wonder the soldiers came back when they asked him, why did you bring him? They said, no man's ever spake like this man. You're right. Because that man was God in human flesh. You're right, nobody spoke like him. Wow. Look at verse 24. O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. The earth is full of his riches. I want to read you something. We, we all probably probably have, have known these things, but uh, in Proverbs, we're called so much to get wisdom, get understanding. The Bible says that by the Lord, by wisdom, hath founded the earth. By understanding, this is, by the way, the third Proverbs 19 verse. The Lord, by wisdom, hath founded the earth. By understanding, he had established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. It was wisdom that God created all these things. It was wisdom that God, an understanding of the heavens, he did just right. I heard a thing one time, for example, uh, this, is, this is astounding to me. Do you know what lightning and thunder is really, really does? When the thunder... It, in the in the atmosphere, thunders and the lightning bolts come down. They produce a uh, a mixture of helium and I believe it's oxygen. I'm not too sure, but anyway, what it does is it goes down and it and it and the rain through all this hits the the uh, the earth and the rain is is fertilized, is energized with these with this uh, what did it help me out? Land this hydrogen and it's it's helium. Thank you. And it, and it waters 
the earth, the crops. Now, is this evolution? This is not evolution. This is a, a God that's beyond our capability that pierced time in the form of a man that said, to see me is to see the Father. And the only way that we will know this wonderful, great God is to have our sins forgiven and to be born from above in a relationship with Him. This is astronomical. I had a, I had a gal call me, I don't know, it was a while ago. And I think she was on the website. I'm not too sure. Never heard from her again. She asked me, you know, we were, where we were located and all that. And, and, uh, and at that time, we only had our, our gospel invitation on the front page, you know. And, and uh, but I believe people like that want to know. You know, the gospel, Jesus Christ, is what's well, called the good news because in it we can know God. And that's the only way we will know God. Man has tried from the earliest times to try to get to God some way, to try to know Him some way, and it's futile. Jesus put it this way, all who came before me they are thieves and robbers. If you want to climb up some other way, you're going to be a thief and a robber. I am the way. You know, like I've said before, the Bible says that Jesus is God's front door in His house, and Christ says, I'm the door. Can you imagine? I had a grandfather that used to read the Bible all the time. And he didn't come to faith in Christ until his latter, latter days. Can you imagine reading these words and, and others like it and not knowing God? They would, be, they would be wonderful, maybe. Wow, that's great. That's wonderful. Is there really a, a, a supreme being that's full of love and goodness and kindness and has everything under control? I can imagine today people, uh, yeah, men's hearts are starting to fail them for fear, but like it's been said before, you look at everything that's going on today and to the world that does not have Christ, this world is falling apart. But to us that have him, it's coming together. We know that time is short, like Greg was saying. Um, this world is, is uh, listen, are we going to be real? Are we going to present a God that the Bible presents? You know, you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll call them ambassadors for Christ. But in that ambassador, he, he tells us that we've, we're, we're a new creation. He never says to go out and, and be an ambassador for me unless you must be born again. We cannot go out and, and represent the God of the Scriptures without having the God of the Scriptures residing in us through the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it. And to be born again is to have our sins forgiving and we have received the gift of eternal life. And the, this is for us, my friends. These words are for us. Last night, I was, it was like I was reading Psalm 104 fresh. Again, I have an empty home. My wife is 1,200 miles away from me. <coughs> silent is anything. It's, you know, silent is loud sometimes. And I'm reading the word, I'm going... Oh God, 
You have given your word for the rejoicing and joy of my heart. That's what Jeremiah said. I found thy words and I did eat them. And they became the rejoicing and joy of my heart. Wow. He says in verse 25, he says, So is this great and wide sea wherein are things creeping, innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships, verse 26. There is that Levitan, which some people believe that's, um, you know, a sea monster, sea creatures, I think it's just big creatures in the sea, personally, but what have you, whom thou hast made to play therein. These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat or their food in due season. That thou givest them, they gather. Thou open thy hand, and they are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face, verse 29, they are troubled. Thou takest their breath, they die, and return to the dust. Can you see what's happening, folks? God has everything in the palm of his hands. All life, everything. You know, people that blaspheme God or people that go on their way living as if there were no God and they, you know, I don't need this and I don't need that. They don't realize that God is giving them the breath to be that way. But there's going to come a day of reckoning and it's coming very fast. You know, I love when we talk about the, 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 the goodness, but Paul also talks about the severity of, in Romans 11 of God, goodness of those who receive his kindness and his goodness, but severity to those that don't. You know, one thing I look about about this great right, this throne judgment, this last judgment, get, you know you know what re- precedes that? I mean, it might be momentary, I don't know. But the heavens and the earth flee away. That's our God. Nothing will be veiled anymore. Absolute raw judgment between a God of goodness and kindness and and love and his desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Even man is like, well, he's too far gone. You know, we don't, not for God. I believe that the angels weep as people stumble over the cross of Christ into a Christless eternity. What more could God have done? You know, we look at this and we think, wow, the goodness of God. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of the, of the rock badgers. He takes care of every living thing. He even provides them with water and food. They open their mouth. He feeds them. Uh, if he didn't, they would die. And yet they reject the one who did that plus much, much more for the life of man. The gospel of Jesus Christ is so much more than uh, something we need to exercise. It's a life that we live. God so loved the world. Wow. Verse 30 says, Thou sendest forth thy spirit, and they are created. And thou renewest the face of the earth. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. I'm almost almost finished here. It just makes me realize, you know, I was talking to a, a, a pastor one time. And 
he wasn't too sure whether, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Whether he wasn't too sure, but I use this as an example. If God really created everything in six literal days, or um, because, you know, the experts say that the word day could mean this and this and this and this, you know. And uh, we've talked about that before, but he said, man, I said, you know what? I said, you are a, a pastor, and you don't know. You're not sure. God creates everything. He rejoiced in his work. The Bible says that after the sixth day, on the seventh day, God rested from his works. How do we know exactly what that means? Because we know from the rest of the word of God. We get a little hint in Hebrews 4, because God calls us to rest in a completed redemption. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He's seated at God's right hand. We are called to enter into that rest and that completed redemption. God created everything in six literal days. On the seventh day, he rested. He, he was satisfied with his creation. So verse 31, the glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. Yes, he's rejoiced in his works. He rejoiced in Jesus Christ's payment for our sin, and he rose him from the dead. Look at verse 32. He looked on the earth, and it trembled. He touched the hills, and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation, verse 34, of him shall be sweet, and I will be glad in the Lord. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul, praise ye the Lord. You know, verse 32 about how God looked on the earth and trembled. You know, a thing that's gaining predominance as time goes on, nothing's new under the sun, right? Psalmist says in Ecclesiastes. You know, pantheism. Pantheism is, is the belief that, that God is, is in everything, God is everything. That's the big thing that's come over from the East. You get from yoga and everything else. But you know what? The Bible teaches an amazing thing. God is separate from his creation. But he is absolutely involved with it. That's amazing to me. Because we as, as human beings are sinful creatures separated from God by sin. And so God being separate from his creation, yet totally involved in it, shows me the love of God. Unlike anything else, the Bible, again, proves one thing, that God is love. And that the Bible rightly understood and rightly divided, we can do nothing but fall down and worship this wonderful, beautiful God who... It's like a multifaceted diamond. He comes to us with so many different ways of, of revealing himself to us. And that revelation to us can only be received when we are born again. I just encourage anybody who has not, um, especially those that are might be listening, those that have not received Christ 
as their sin bearers, their savior, to do so. And this wonderful, beautiful God can be yours. And he desires, again, that none would perish. You know, judgment all through the Bible is God's last recourse. You know, when we were going through the prophets uh, on, on Wednesday night, we see that continually over and over and over and over and over. God is constantly warning his people, pleading with his people, and warning of them, it's coming. You know, I have nothing because I'm a just, righteous God. I do not bend. I'm holy and righteous. My standard is righteousness and holiness. Judgment is always his last recourse. This is the day of, of grace, so to speak. And Jesus Christ is God's indescribable gift. He wants us to have eternal life. And we might know this wonderful, beautiful God. And Father, I just thank you for this morning, for this song. Just for a fresh glimpse of who you are and, and just the beautiness of you. I thank you that we here at the foundation of life have received the gift of eternal life. We receive Christ as bearing our punishment on the cross. And three days later, he was raised from the dead. And now he's at, in heaven, in the presence of God for us. How do I know that my sins are forgiven? How do I know that if I were to die this moment, I would be in your presence? I know because I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins, that he was buried, and three days later he rose from the dead, and now he's in the presence of God for me. I know that I will be with Christ just as much as I know that Christ is in heaven for me. And I thank you, Lord, that we can have this assurance we can also turn to your word and see your loveliness and how you control all things. I pray that we would, that would give us joy and confidence in the days ahead. And Father, I just thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And is now already in the world. Notice in this in the in the language in here, it's not the Antichrist as he was writing that was already in the world. It is the spirit that is paving his way. God says in 2 Thessalonians that there's going to be such a he's going to send it that deluding influence that people would believe the lie. It is going to be so deceptive that generations to come, if the Lord should tarry, God help them. And if you really want to go back to it all, that's why we have to go back to what Paul admonishes in Ephesians 4 about pastors, teachers, evangelists. We need to be men of God and equip this generation with the Word of God. And don't settle for anything less. I don't care what you think about me. I care what you believe about the Word of God. Because that's what it lives and abides forever. There is an Antichrist coming. And the spirit of Antichrist is rampant in the world. And God is telling his children 
and what is out there. You know, I remember I, I told this story sometimes back, and I had, a, had an individual who's no longer here came up to me and said, wow, that, that was kind of a, uh, an interesting story, but it was a true story. Uh, back in the early 60s, my dad was laying cable in the, uh, uh, in I can't remember, the Santa Ana Valley or somewhere in Southern California. And anyway, back then it was a very undeveloped area, and there was rattlesnakes everywhere out there, you know. And when they contracted laying this cable, they were told, you know, we're just going to warn you that, you know, this place is infested with, with rattlesnakes and stuff like that, and it was, you know. Well, they went out there and they obviously were equipped to do it. That is what God is doing here in, in some sort of degree, that there is rattlesnakes all over the place. And I'm warning you, little children, they're there. And they're going to try to, to steal what they can. And they're going to try to infect your home. They're going to try to infect your children. They're going to try to infect those that sit under you. In fact, they're going to try to infect you. And to be an effective minister and ambassador for Jesus Christ, we need to realize that we're not only in the battle, but that Satan knows that his time is short um, and deception is everywhere. I love that story, by the way. I don't do the justice. My dad, if he was here, could do a better job. But I was interested because I always, you know, I've always, you know, hated snakes, you know, and I, and I remember when he first told us that, and, and he was he was going through that. I think it was in the Santa Ana Valley. Anyway, and uh, so interesting, rattlesnakes, hmm. that's what we're dealing with here, snakes, people that would steal, kill, and destroy, spirits, doctrines of demons, you know what, let me tell you something, you don't really have to believe that way, you don't really have to, to lose your influence, you know, you can you can you can have your little sins and do this too. You don't have to believe that. Do you really believe that one man, two thousand years ago, one man could die for the sins of the world? What was wrong with that? Just that statement. He wasn't one man that died for the sins of the world. He was God's Lamb before the foundation of the world that came to die for the sins of the world. He was born of a virgin, which is made, which horrendously attacked today. We have people in, in uh, Westcott and Hort, for example. Did you know they, were, they, they dabbled in spiritism? They were evolutionists? And I'm not saying anything. What I am saying is the people that, that influenced a lot of these modern thinkings were evolutionists. They, were, they dabbled in spiritism. Some don't actually believe in the literal resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some don't believe in, in the actual virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And yet we hail these people as great scholars. This spirit of Antichrist was in this world long before you and I were. You know, like I said, I, I became a Christian in the very early 80s, and, I, uh, and just since that time, I have seen so many things shift. So many different waves of, of new thinking and new, and new you know, doctrines and new revelations and new parts of the church I would have never thought would, was, would happen. Some of you that have been Christians a lot longer than I have, 
if you have known and seen things, things that used to be solid are no more today like that. And the bride of Jesus Christ, his remnant, are going to stand. He did say that he's going to build his church upon this rock, upon the rock of Jesus Christ, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But what is the church? It's his body. It's his remnant. It is those that have received him as Lord and Savior and follow him. You know, I think they're one and the same, personally. You know, we're not here splitting hairs on, on who's, you know, this and who's that. But the Bible only talks about one form of Christian. That's a biblical Christian. That's a Christian that's born from above. Where are the men out there that are going to be, that are going to teach that there is an enemy out there that wants to stunt growth? Speak lies. Look at verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. What do we read in, in chapter 12 of Revelation? They overcame them by the blood of the Lamb. You know why I'm saved? I'll tell you why I'm saved. You know, Donald Gray Barnhouse had that huge thing. In fact, James D. Kennedy is what brought him, helped bring him to Christ. He would always say, if you were to die today, you're what men call dead. You die today, and you're standing before God, and God says, why should I allow you into my heaven? Think about that. What would you say? Do you know why? I know why. And we all know why. And it's not the spirit of this age, because they'll tell you so many different things. You know, as Pam and I were really talking about, well, yeah, I can, you know, if I was a Catholic, I'm a good Catholic. I believe in the Pope, I do the penance, I say the rosaries, I do this, I do that. The only reason why I am saved is because Christ Jesus died on a cross in payment for my sin. And he was forsaken on that cross for my sin. And he suffered and he bled and he died, the innocent for the uninnocent, the righteous for the unrighteous, the just for the absolute unjust, me. And three days later, God said, I approve of that sacrifice by raising him from the dead. And I be believing that I am forgiven and have the gift of eternal life. And then apart from that, the spirit of Antichrist is prevalent with all kinds of deceptive lies. So we read again in verse 4 that you are God, little children, and have overcome them, I'm all done. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You know, John writes in his second letter in uh, verse 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You know, people say, you know, I've heard the question so many times, you know, can a Christian be possessed? Absolutely not. I'm just going to say that. When you are a, a, a born-again Christian, you are his uh, possession, you are his tabernacle, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I am saved by his life. I am saved from the wrath of God by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 5, but I am saved 
eternally because Jesus Christ is alive from the dead. God raised him from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of the Father for me, for you. He's in the presence of God for us. He's coming back for you and for me, not for the unsaved. And like I was saying on a Monday night, but just for a side note, thank you for bearing with me a little bit. This is interesting. I love the Word of God. It's, uh, <laughs> you take Rome, you know, like Tommy Ice used to say, where do you want to talk about the, you know, the, the coming back of Jesus Christ for his own? He says, well, I love Tommy Ice, by the way. He says, well, let's start where, where it was first mentioned, where Jesus said in the Upper Discourse in John chapter 14. Listen to these first three verses. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, also believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. Verse 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, that where you may be also. You take those three verses and you compare them side by side with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through, through 18 or actually 15 through 18, if you really want to look at it, you put them side by side, and you see perfectly the precedent of the Word of God, where Jesus says, I have many things to say to you, but you're not yet able to bear them. But the Spirit, whom I will send in the Father's name, He will bring to remembrance all things, and will teach you and lead you in all truth. And you put those two passages side by side, and you see exactly Paul is expounding to the church that Jesus Christ is coming back to gather His church unto Himself. Folks, we've got to get back into the Bible. We, you know, uh, there is a barrage of spiritual warfare out there. And it is ready to devour those that are weak. You know, in the animal world, I've seen this one. I used to dive a lot. We, we uh, spent quite a bit of time in the Caribbean. And, and this is true in the animal world. It's true. You know, predators go out and they'll... Most things that, like if a gazelle or, or, or whatever, you would be chasing a bunch of zebras, there's safety in numbers. You know, they'd be in the pack, and you'd be strong. But if one would be would be a little bit sick, or one would be weaker, or whatever, stray, what have you, that's where they would go after. And we've seen it many times. I remember one time we were diving on the coast of Cozumel, and we went through these... Uh, this, uh, these bunch of barracudas, and they were looking at the school of... of uh, they call them silverfish. I don't know exactly what they were. Probably eight, nine-inch fish. And there were millions of them in a pack. And it was it was fascinating. We were sitting on this reef watching these barracudas that we were looking at. And these things would, would turn, you know. And they'd all stay in the same uh, grouping to, you know, ward off these, these defenders. Because they were confused. They didn't know which one. But once in a while, one of these silverfish would get out of that pattern. And guess where that barracuda would go? Wham! And it's, that is a spiritual precedent of what's happening today. We see the weak, the infallible, the people that aren't are enmeshed in the Word of God. And God is warning us, beloved, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they're from God. Greater is He who is in you than He is in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. Or I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. you know? He's not going to just say, okay, here you go. That's why they were troubled. They were, they were troubled. Jesus said, you're going to be troubled. Yet the world is going to rejoice. You're going to lament. 
But as I live, you will live also. And there's a double precedent there. Yes, they were going to see him again, and they were going to rejoice. You know, when, when at the end of John, you know, when they were fishing, they said, that's the Lord, you know. And, and Peter jumps out, and yeah, they're going to see him again, absolutely. But he's also referring to the Spirit. As I live, you will live also. I will send the Spirit, and I will not leave you comfortless. In other words, I will not leave you orphans, I believe the King James says, which is awesome. He's not going to leave you alone. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe God, believe also in me. You know, and and as the Spirit comes down and it dwells us, you know, this verse is wonderful. You are of God, little children. You've overcome them. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That is so comforting. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be intimidated. I don't have to bow down. I don't have to be afraid of the darkness because I'm not in darkness anymore. Man. We'll end in here. Uh, verse 5. They were the world, therefore they speak as of the world. The world hears them. You know, Jesus said, they listen to me and receive my words, they'll receive your words as well. But if they don't receive your words and they persecute you, remember they're persecuting me because they have not known me nor my Father. They hated me without a cause. They hate me. They hate my father as well. This is the this is the what we're living in now. We're living in a world that's that's got the spirit of antichrist that is getting worse and worse. They hate Christ. They hate the Father. And what better way to do? That's how a lot of pedophiles, or not pedophile pedophiles too, but uh, get into. Uh, you know, a little, little girl, a little boy might, you know, your mommy sent me to pick you up after school, you know. Um, there's, you know, she's had something to do or whatever, and, and they asked me to pick you up. I remember when we were in school, I think I was in about the second, third grade, we had a guy going around and called himself the clown. And what he would do is he, we lived in Southern California, dressed up as this clown, he had all his candy, and that's how he would lure kids you know, deception. Jesus isn't that way. But when they know neither him nor the Father, the world hears these doctrines of demons, these evil spirits. It says verse 6, We are of God, and he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of truth says that Jesus Christ has come. That the way of salvation has been made plain. That at just the right time, the scripture says, Christ died for the ungodly. That even though someone might die for, dare die for a good man, but this is truth and this is love, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And those that receive the gift of forgiveness and eternal life will live forever. That's the problem of this world. Men need their sins forgiven. They need forgiveness of sins. Just as I wouldn't let anybody in my house, but through the front door of my choice, 
Jesus says, I am the door. He who enters in by me will be saved. There is only one way into God's house, and that's Jesus Christ. There's only one sacrifice that God will accept. I don't care how good a life you've lived. I don't care what you've done. If you do not come to the Father through Christ, you are lost. One sacrifice, one way to the Father, and that's because of Christ. The devil does not want people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come to him by admitting that we're guilty lost sinners that our only hope of salvation is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, I I thank you for this time in the Word. And Lord, I just ask that if there are those out there that are listening, they know that you're speaking and that they know they need the Savior. And by coming and acknowledging their sin and turning to Christ who took the punishment for the sin on the cross. Three days later, he rose bodily from the dead and he ascended to the Father as showing that God is satisfied with Christ dying in our place, and by putting our trust in Him, we have not only the forgiveness of sins, but the gift of eternal life. This is the gospel. This is the Bible. This is the good news. And I pray that we would stand upon that against the wiles of the devil. Father, I thank you for this morning. I love you, and ask that you would watch over us as we go, and that we'd have joy unspeakable. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last years, you know, proving, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt that not only is God's word, his word, but it works. You know? When the, when when God was giving instructions for the people, so to speak, to go into the land and, you know, if you do this, this, and this, it will go well for you. God was saying, I know what's best for you. I know what's going to work. I know what's going to make your life flourish. I know what's going to rejoice your heart. I am out to give you nothing but a land flowing with milk and honey, so to speak. Prosperity of soul, joy. You ask anything, Jesus said in my name, and my Father will do it, that he might be glorified. God loves to bless his children, and therefore he knows what we need. He knows what we uh, what works and what doesn't work, we don't. And a bent, evil nature wants to go for those ones that don't work. For whatever reason. I guess that's the deceitfulness of sin. So as we look at, at the, you know, God, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not do this, you do this. You read the Deuteronomy, you know. You look at Deuteronomy 28, for example. You know, you, you do these things and it's going to go well with you. You don't do these things and look out. And by the way, if you really look at that chapter, it's a longer read of the ones that don't. If you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. God is amply warning that he is the one that's life. He is the one that has the words that are going to uh, cause you to flourish. Look at Psalm chapter 1, about the two ways, the two destinies, you know, the tree planted by the waters. Look at Jeremiah 17, the same thing about the tree planted and the roots go out and, and it bears leaves and it, even in drought it will be fruitful. God knows 
what will work and what doesn't work. <coughs> and he's provided it. Are we going to search for it and make it a part of our, our uh, uh, well, you know, it's like gee, people, I was talking to a gentleman one day and he says, well, you know, yeah, I, you know, God's a part of my life, you know. Yeah, he's a part of my life. Jesus is a part of my life. You know, without, you know, without judging anything, you know, a lot of people think that. Well, Jesus is a part of my life. Well, the Bible says that Jesus is not a part of your life. He is your life. Okay, so uh, how do we adjust that thinking? By the word of God. If you seek for it as silver, you search for it as hid treasure, then you will understand. Then you will understand the ways of God in his word. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the encouragement. And I and pray it would be an encouragement and a challenge for not only us as we, as we just carry on and we go out, but those that are listening to this message would realize that we have an enemy out there that his chief end is to still kill and destroy. He wants to keep us out of that wonderful heritage that we have in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that if we have influence over grandchildren, children, what have you, Lord, that we would take this message to heart. That those of us that have been yours for a while, sometimes take it for granted that the word is there and and we might know that it's your word, and we might be in it every day, but there, there are spirits, doctrines of demons and devils out there, Lord, that are stealing the hearts of our young kids, the hearts of our people that sit in churches all across this land. They're robbing the vitality of a vibrant Christian life because the word of God has taken somehow backseat to walking with you and knowing you. And I thank you for this morning. I pray that the encouragement would run deep, that we would grow from, from this word. Father, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We are the recipient of it, and I thank you for that. And Lord, we look for you coming back. You return. And I pray that you would knit our hearts here, not only the foundation of life, but, but the ones that we associate with and our brethren, that you would knit our hearts together in love, that all men might know that we are your disciples. Thank you, Father, for that inestimable gift in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Embrace resurrection to life, and those uh, in Adam will go to perdition, and they will be resurrected, but a resurrection to damnation. You know, like we see, for example, the false prophet and in, in, uh, in the Antichrist, or, or in you know, thrown in the lake of fire a thousand years after the millennium passes, where Satan's thrown in the lake of fire. The Bible says the false prophet and the Antichrist are still there. In other words, not consumed. There's going to be a resurrection, but, but ours is glorious in Christ. It is, it is diametrically opposed to the Bible itself to be in Christ and yet lead a life of, 
even the slightest bit of debauchery. Are we going to sin? Yes. But, what, but that's the beauty of it. Schofield has a wonderful illustration of this, the best I've ever seen. And those of you who have read the Schofield Bible know this, and, and uh, it is just absolutely wonderful. It has clarified millions of understanding of this. He's describing a man who's been born again that as he goes to the Oriental bathhouse, and says he takes a bath, he's cleansed from all unrighteousness, and yet when he's walking back to the house, his feet will acquire defilement, and thus wash his feet. But he himself is clean from all that the law could say or accuse him. And it's beautiful, because that's what we are. And when we have defilement, we confess our sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's wise, he's just, because he took the condemnation himself. He fulfilled every bit of the law for you and I. And he also took the condemnation and the judgment for the breaking of that law for you and I. So he's just. Listen to these words. If we confess our sins, our defilement, he is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Wow. Keep on sinning. Wow. We can't because we've been born of God. Nor do you need to. You know? That's what separates biblical Christianity from all the other religions in the world. And I only say religion as far as Christianity is just by means of comparison. By no means does the Bible talk favorably about religion. Religion is always the outward show. We as baptism and one baptized in the body, we show the world what has already happened and taken place on the inside. That's the meaning of baptism. So when you go baptize in the river wherever you get, you show the world. When I was baptized in Corleone Bay in North Lake Tahoe, I was signifying to the world and to my parents Something has happened to me. I believe this gospel. I believe this word of God. My sins have been, I've been forgiven. That Jesus Christ is now my Lord. I'm not my Lord anymore. I walked to a different drumbeat, and that's to him. And I've never looked back. And I'm thankful I haven't. Because Paul says that, you know, you can run a race. And if you run it in such a way, there's a, there's a reward. There's a crown waiting for you. And I want that crown, and I want that reward. I want to see my Lord. I'm expecting to see him. I want to see him. I can't wait to see him. Because I know that when I see him, I will be with him forever. And I just want to end these verses, probably for my own sake. Because right now, folks, I think that is a time for comfort. I think that, you know, you can read these verses and you can look at sin so much you can tend to get, uh, feel like you've getting pummeled with things. And it's not the fact that we pummel because somebody's life might not be as righteous as mine. But we admonish these things so that we might see that the Lord desires that we have nothing in the way of Him. You know? We even say it in our wedding vows. You forsake all others, you know? I remember talking... You know, we did Jan and Joe's wedding. You know, you are you willing to forsake all others? Okay. What does that mean? Well, there's not too many. There's there are people out there, but there, most people don't actually commit the physical adultery, maybe on their wife, but they sure do in so many other ways. And if that's true in the physical realm of of relationships down here, well, it's more it's more uh, abundant 
with our Christian life. There are so many things. The devil and everything is clamoring for our attention. The flesh wears its ugly head when you don't think it will. The moment you think you've got everything under control, here it comes. Look out. The moment you think you've been having a pretty good day, man, and you've talked to a couple people about Christ, one might have given his life for Christ, and you're relishing in the, in the glow of it, watch out. You know, let's make up our mind now. So when it comes, you're dealing with it. I am my beloved's, and my beloved's mine. That's, that's my wife and I's verse out of uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 7. But listen to this. I'll leave you with the, with the first six verses of, of the discourse in John 14. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, or many rooms, or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. He's going and preparing a place for you, for me, individually. You know, as a corporate part of his body, he loves you. He's going to tailor this for you. I believe this with all my heart. Because my God's like that. He loves us individually. He's tailoring a place for you, exactly what you want. You know, people down here, they want to find the perfect house. And, you know, I mean, we've been selling our house for almost a year now. I know. I mean, for all kinds of things. Oh, you know, it's great, but we want this. Oh, it's great. He is tailoring something, I believe, with all my heart, that is going to just dazzle us for eternity. I can't wait to see that. He loves you. And, and we flirt with sin? In my Father's house, are, again, are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That's the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants you with him. And we're going we're gonna to forsake that in sin? We're going to forsake that and, and entertain uh, pride and, and, and everything else? Is it tough? Hey, did anybody say the Christian life was going to be easy? Paul says, I die daily. So he's going to go prepare this fantastic place. You know, I don't have to worry about, well, hey, you know, is it going to be something I want? It will be exactly what I was designed to love and to dwell in, because that's who God is. And if I go and prepare a place for you again, he says, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know, and where I, I go, you know, the way you know. Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where the way you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus takes it from the material to the spiritual. Life. Life is not this. Life is Him. We don't know where you're going to go. Leave us a map or something. You know, let us know. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Wow.
Lord, um, the Lord has shown me the last, well, when I really understood where we're going, and the time is short for, for us here, but I love you guys, and that's my heart. That's the heart of the Lord, and I, I, I would be, you know, I used to tell my sons, if you don't tell somebody the truth, you're not really being a truthful friend to them. And there's so much more to this life than just what meets the eye. You know, they say that those that are suffer great loss, suffer problems in their life. I mean, uh, we've all had tragedy, death, uh, whatever. That those who, who, who stick to the Lord and allow Him to take them through them find an intimacy with Him that most people don't. But we also understand the Bible talks about those that give up their life, that give up what they, they don't need, and they grab what they cannot afford to lose. There's an intimacy and a joy there that the Bible talks about that few nowadays know about. Few as far as the masses go. And that's what we want. Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the word. And Lord, but I, I thank you for the Lord of the word. It so eloquently points to who you are and your character. Father, I pray that if there are those listening that have not surrendered everything, intellect, pride, um, whatever to you, that they would do it. Because it, nobody needs to be taught. It's the Spirit that teaches us to abide in Christ. I pray that would be their lot, because what is it worth if man gains a whole world and that you know, loses what is a game? If we have 20 more days left and we, we live it half-heartedly, I pray that we would, we, would, we would consider and accept nothing less than excellency. Nothing less than the Word of God operating in our life. Again, I thank you for this day and I pray that you would go with us as we go and give us joy that our joy might be full. Father, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.